Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. On Fridays, I always do a webinar talking about Surefoot and using Surefoot pads. Uh, and so this week, Leslie Abel, my uh, distribution manager, who is fabulous, um, is joining me because we were talking on the phone and she has a couple of really interesting case studies that I want to share with you. So I just thought that that would be fun to have Leslie join me. Um, if anyone is interested in uh, learning more about Surefoot from the perspective of practitioners, that's Joe Watman. And um, we are working on the learning online learning system. Um, Leslie's been helping me get it up and running. Um, I have a great team. I have Joe Watman, who's my practitioner coordinator, Leslie Abel, who's distribution and harangues me on the LMS so I get it done. <laughs> and Alex Hamilton, who handles all the social media. And if you ever email me, it's most likely that Alex is gonna contact you back. So I'm, I'm really grateful for my team. They have really um, been instrumental in me being able to move forward and get to things that I really need to do for Surefoot, which is keep developing this online learning while we are in lockdown. So that said, hi, Leslie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so um, just for any of you joining that's new to Surefoot, Let's see, wait, somebody's already got a question. It's going to be a page or a Zoom session to support people working toward becoming practitioners. Yes, and Joe Watman is in charge of that. So um, for people who want to become Surefoot practitioners or have already sent an inquiry, um, and you can do that through the website, um, we have created a Facebook page for uh, practitioner applicants. Okay, and Joe is putting up information there and she's uh, gonna be able to handle your questions there. So um, that's a great group to join. And it's, I think it is Surefoot Practitioner Applicants. I think that's the name of it. I think so. Um, I look it up really fast. <laughs> Leslie's gonna look it up really, really quick. Um, and then we have a group for people who are Surefoot Practitioners. And like I said, with the online learning, we're working on creating courses for uh, the different levels. Um, I have a lot of work to do, um, but we're getting there. So um, so yes, the answer, the short answer, Janet, is uh, yes. And I think we'll probably get Joe to organize some workshops. So Leslie, just make a note that we need to contact Joe and have her set up a Zoom meeting. Okay. And it is Surefoot Practitioner Applicants on Facebook. I just posted it in the chat so that you know, you guys can see it, but um, you can join that group if you're interested. Yep, and I'm happy to answer questions about that here in this Friday webinar as well. So uh, if you do have questions, just pop it in the chat, the Q&A, or um, if you have something to talk about about a horse, use your raised hand and that way we can talk to you about that. All right, so just to give anybody who's new to Surefoot a brief outline, um, basically what we're doing is I've discovered that if you put a horse on an unstable surface, they will change their balance, behavior, and movement. Um, yesterday, I had Dr. Robert Bowker for two hours. Um, I just love having Bob on the show because he's such a wealth of information and he's really fun to listen to. Um, he was in control of his screen this time. So there's a little jumping back and forth between slides. <laughs> <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> but just hang in there and he'll, he gets to the right slide and gets the words to the right slide. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that Bob talked about is these touch receptors. And what he talked about is how the hoof has touch receptors, just the same way you have touch receptors in your fingers. And 
he was talking about how if a horse is standing, say, on a cement surface for any length of time, those receptors basically shut down. Um, and it also is going to affect blood flow when that happens. And he did a study way back when, when he put a, a washcloth underneath one hoof and saw a change in blood flow in the other foot. So Bob was one of the first people I called when I discovered Surefoot. And he told me about this experiment that he'd done with a washcloth. And listening to him yesterday, it, it reminded me of what he had said, but it makes me think that this is probably a very big piece of how Surefoot's working. In other words, by standing on a surface that deforms and gives to pressure, you're going to get an activation of those touch receptors and an increase in blood flow. Now, do I have proof that there's an increase in blood flow? Not yet. But are there people working on those ideas? Yes, which is great. Um, and so it was, it's just a really interesting thing to, to listen to them. Um, are those receptors the same as the bud chakras? I have no idea what a bud chakra is. So you'll have to help me with that because I don't know what a bud chakra is. Um, but I do know that there's, there's piscinian receptors which sense vibration, those are in the heel bulb. There are these Merkel cells that are like touch receptors. Um, there's nociceptors which are pain and um, there's Ruffini receptors and I've, uh, those are also a vibratory sensor um, in, more in the sole of the foot. So some are fast acting receptors and some are slow receptors. Um, but the bottom line is we, that's what we're doing. We're, we're in some way affecting these receptors either, and, th and this is what we don't know, are we activating them or are we deactivating them or both, um, but creating this change and Clearly there's a sympathetic parasympathetic response as well. In other words, you see horses that are anxious, that calm down. We see breathing changes in three to 10 seconds, eye blinks, ears, facial muscle relaxation, all these things that tell us that the internal system is, is coming down. Um, and the cool thing is that these changes can stick. I mean, they can stick really, really well. So, I've seen horses change in one session, literally just change and stay in a new place. Um, other horses need to see the pads on a regular basis. The, the really fun part about Surefoot is that it's an exploration and you never really know what's gonna happen, which is why Leslie's with me today. Um, and it's just fun. It's fun to see these horses change in ways that you wouldn't expect from this. So there's a question from Dorothy and she says, I think there's been research done on how elephants detect very low frequency sounds in the ground through their feet. It would make sense that the horse is similar, hence Bob's comment about the horse knowing about earthquakes. Yeah, I'm sure that the elephants have um, these Piscinian receptors which pick up vibration. Um, and I've told this story before, but I had a little quarter horse, Andy, who was the salt of the earth. He was such a likable, easygoing guy. And one day he was hysterical for about three to four hours, unconsolable. And then I found out after afterward that there had been an earthquake in Richmond, Virginia, about three hours away. And, and you know, he, uh, he just finally went, you know, okay, then nothing I did that made the difference. And I think it was that he sensed the earthquake. So California horses, they're feeling tremors all the time. You know, you can adjust and get used to things, but if you're East Coast, we don't have earthquakes very often, extremely rare. So, um, hi, Anna. So the, the bottom line is that when we 
offer the pad. And again, Surefoot is a choice. We're not forcing horses to stand on the pads because what we want to discover is, you know, are they balanced? That's one of the big questions. And if they can't stand on an unstable surface, they're not balanced in some way, mentally, emotionally, or physically, doesn't matter. Um, and so you allow them to walk and you offer again. And what you see is that as they have an opportunity to experience the surefoot pad, the unstable surface, you, you see a change in their balance. You see an increase in relaxation. You see changes in movement. You see changes in personality. Um, and to me, that's always fascinating to see how horses that are, you know, either aloof or fooling around or distracted or anxious, and suddenly they're very present, very relaxed. Um, and it's, it's uh, about keeping it short. Okay, so Dorothy's raised her hand. Let me, let me see how I have to get over here. And, uh, okay, Dorothy, what's your question? Oh, you have to un. Yeah, there you go. I've unmuted. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. I'm, I'm all excited about this. I, I just wanted to share the experience from what you're just what you're talking about with with the first short session I did with with both my horses. The older horse, he was a little bit skeptical to start with, and just put his toe, and then eventually he he stood on. I've got the I've got the firm pads and the slants. Great. And he he would stand on the the firm pad for quite some time and just looked so grounded and he didn't want to get off he didn't want to walk afterwards yeah and then then i gave offered him the slant and under his right front which is he's a bit he's a a horse with a bit of a history but he's actually he's he's incredible now actually um he clonked it round so it was pointing um inwards and stood on it with the the wedge pointing inward so that the outside of his foot was lifted more yeah um and that's not unusual they will they once they understand it they will position their pads yeah i didn't do hind feet at all that that time i'll do that next time the, the weather's terrible at the moment so i haven't repeated yet um and then my young horse who's new to me i've only had him three months and he's got quite a lot of of um difficulties he was very skeptical and he put his toe on and, and couldn't put his foot down. And so I walked him around, offered again, offered again. And, and after two or three times, he put his foot on. He couldn't stay on it. So this was either front foot. Um, he couldn't stay on for more than a couple of seconds, but then he walked off. And after he'd done it a couple of times with each front foot and then with the slants, he did that thing that you talk about where he walked around with his nose literally on the ground. Yeah. And, and again, he just, he then wanted to stand and just looked rooted. Yeah. And it was extraordinary how rooted they both were and how much they didn't actually want to then move. Yeah, and that, that's not unusual. Um, I do tell people you wanna walk the horse off because sometimes people try to keep their horse on the pads, right? I don't mean, I don't mean he was rooted on the pad. I mean, after he, they'd walked off and walked a bit, then when they yeah. stopped, they were, they were rooted. Yes, no, I, I, I understand. They become really, really grounded. And so, you know, there's always this balance between the movement and the standing, but especially with the nervous horses, with the experience you had, that's that's very common. And it's good to let them stand because suddenly they can let down. Mm. Um, and I think that that's probably what you saw with your young horse. I have one suggestion for you, um, especially since you only have the firm and firm slant, 
Um, when you have a nervous horse, you can use the firm slant and just put the, the foot on the, uh, I don't have a slant handy. Um, on, on the narrowest edge, the thinnest yeah, edge. On the yes. thinnest edge. So they have a little taste, but it's not fully on the pad. So it gives mm -hmm. them more of a chance to kind of uh, experience it without having too much thickness. I did also get a half physio pad, so oh, I could perfect. so I could do that as well. Um, yeah. the, another question then was um, the DVD that comes with the pads. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about using the pads. Um, you, you've got the color side and you've got the the foam side. And, and I've always seen you using them color side up. But you talked in that about put, turning the other way up and putting the foam up. Yep. So what, what does that do? What's the difference? It's, it's just a slightly different surface. If you stand on your pads with one foot on each pad, one up and one down, you're mm. going to feel a difference in the, in the pad. Okay. Right. So it just gives you a, another variation. It's a lesser variation than going to a different density, but it just gives you another optional surface. And like with the soft pad, if I have a horse that I want, if I want to give them the most comfort I can possibly give them, I flip that soft pad over to the uncolored side um, to give them just, you know, a lot of comfort. And so it's just offers you another opportunity. And a lot of times, you know, like if a pad flips over and I just pick up the foot and kick that pad over with the other side, it's, it's no big deal. So you can use both sides. That's great. Thank you much. Welcome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. for uh, raising your hand. I'm actually going to show, I think I have a picture of that. And for one of the horses that I'm going to talk about today, Wendy, I've got him on the foam side of the uh, firm pad at one point. So we'll see a picture. Okay. <laughs> Great. All right. So we're going to let Leslie just go ahead and, um, and talk about her case studies. <laughs> talk about my littles. Um, so I have two that I was going to talk about today. And um, I just want to preface this. I'm not a practitioner. I'm not authorized yet or anything. And so I'm, all of this is very, very new to me. And so I'm still experimenting. And luckily I have a lot of horses that I can choose from and they're all a little bit different. So in body style and breeding and type and, and temperament. So it's been really, really fun to experiment with them. And you're uh, a, you're a trainer, right? I am. I'm a dressage trainer. Yes. By trade um, and a riding instructor. So I do have a lot of horse experience and um, I am an equine professional by day um, and distribution manager by night. No. <laughs> um, and, and we have purposely not educated Leslie very much because we want her to be sort of that naive person working with the pads more like what uh, you might be. So I, I have intentionally not given Leslie a lot of uh, uh, instruction because we want her to kind of go through that process and then we can see if there's a hole or something we need to fill or like when we're doing the online learning courses, she'll go uh, tell me that, oh, I need more information about something. And so it helps for her not to know a whole lot. <laughs> Yes, it actually does. But there are times when I feel like I'm fumbling a little bit. And I'm sure that some of the I was very critical about which videos I was going to show because I'm like, oh, I don't want them to see me in that one. Because <laughs> I might not be right, you know. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to start with what I think is the most interesting case, which is a little horse named William. He's an eight-year-old thoroughbred Cri Criolo, cross. Oh, Criolo, Criolo. Cross. 
Yeah, which I had absolutely never heard of until my client purchased him a couple of months ago. She's only had him for a couple of months. He's eight years old. I don't know if I said that. Um, yeah, and he was originally bred for polo, but he got, he got too tall. And so the gentleman who had his, who, the, who had bred him decided, you know, he wasn't going to make a good polo pony. So he gave him to a friend of his and to just ride and do some other stuff. And so they were doing, she was doing, you know, some hunter stuff and some eventing and that kind of thing, just a mishmash. Um, so now he's a dressage horse because that's what we do. <laughs> and, um, we, you know, when we first got him in the barn, um, very calm temperament, very sweet, like almost Labrador sweet, you know, or golden retriever sweet. Um, uh, his personality is starting to come out. He's never really had his own person, always lived out in a field with a bunch of horses. So, you know, he's in a barn now at a boarding facility. So it's a little bit of a different lifestyle for him. Um, but anyway, so we decided to start using the pads with him just to try them out and see how he would react and if he would like them. And one of the things that we uh, discovered um, is that he likes to pick the pads up. And at one point, I don't have a video of this because it was one of those days I wasn't videoing because I really didn't know what he was gonna do. He's only done the pads, I think three times now. Um, but I think on the second time that I did the pads with him, he was picking them up and handing them to me. He's not clicker trained, he's not, trick trained. He's not, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of, know a whole lot about his history um, as far as his training goes, but other than he's just very green in the riding. And, um, but one thing that's been happening is that he, you know, tilts his head in the riding. He would stick his tongue out sometimes, especially if you're trying to bend or um, get him to come through his back more. He will uh, toss his head some. And so about two weeks ago, we had his teeth floated and, you know, and they were definitely due for floating. So um, we thought, okay, cool. We got his teeth floated. We found a, a bit that he liked. Um, we're going to be good to go. Well, then after that is when we did this pad session that I'm going to show you some video from. And it was interesting because the first time I thought he picked, when he picked up the pads, I thought he was just playing, you know, that it was just his personality. Oh, this looks fun. I'm going to play with it. But he kept doing it over and over and over. And um, so do you want me to share my screen and show some? Yeah. yeah. I can still talk while I'm sharing my screen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And and just so everybody's clear, this is the first horse that I have heard of that is handing the person the pads. Um, yeah. I've seen horses go to try and get on the pads and paw them out from the fence and those kind. But I've never had anybody describe, or I've personally never seen a horse that picks the pack pads up and hands them to a person, especially since he's not been trained to do anything like that. So I was just going to shake. So, and I'm not sure I don't have these. I can't, I'm not, they're not in chronological order. I'm sorry. I was videoing while I was um, doing the pads and the owner was just holding on to him. So it's a little bit all over the place, but this is just kind of <laughs> one. Um, this I think was the first time he had, he had been standing on these green pads on the firms and he would walk off and then pick it up. And I know it looks like- Can you just move your, your um, 
slide thingy out, out of the, the play thingy uh, out of the way a little bit. You can just pick it up and slide it over to the side. Should be yes. able to do that better. Uh, yeah, that's way better. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay because the it's playing a little bit slowly. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll tell you, it's playing slowly. Okay, do you mean? Yeah, do it again. Okay, so so on this, it's like he picks it up, and I know he looks like he's playing with it but he kept doing this type of behavior where he would step off the pad, he would pick it up. And then it was almost like at sometimes this one looks like play to me, but um, he was trying to get a hold of it. And I was like, not sure that's my hand. I wasn't sure if I should take it from him <laughs> because there was a little part of me, Wendy, that was like, oh, please don't rip up my pads. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know? I tell people they're not, um, they're not warranted against bites. Um, yeah, well, let me tell you, mine look like they've been through the ringer now after this guy, but there's a little bit more interesting one. Let me see if I can figure out which video it is where he's literally standing on the pad and trying to pick it up at the same time. It might be this one. No, the video is not in slow motion. It's just that it's playing slow. Okay. Um, it's yeah, no, it's not in slow motion. So here's on the, he's on the slants at this point. And you can see how soft his eye is there. Yeah. So that's not the one I was thinking of, but. That's okay, you can let it play. But same thing. And, and here's the thing, I didn't want to stop him from picking it up because I kind of wanted to see where this was going. You know, because at this point, keep in mind, I he's only done the pads a few times. I don't, I didn't really know if he was doing it because he was playing or if there was another reason, you know. Um, I think I have a better one. Let's see, I know I have a better one. But it, but it is fascinating because, um, you know, when the halflingers tend to want to chomp things okay so when i have seen pads bitten uh, it's not uncommon that it might be a halflinger but it doesn't look to me like he's trying to bite it he literally is trying to lift it he's literally so out here you can see on his back foot he was standing on that slant mm -hmm. and then he moved and went over and picked up the pad and and i just left the slant there i was like well maybe he'll get something out of it <laughs> You know, and that's fine. And they can, it's, you know, like some people get concerned about making sure the foot's centered on the pad, but literally it doesn't matter. I've seen horses with that much foot on a pad and watch them change. So, I, which is fast, even more fascinating to me that it's, you know, they can have literally a quarter inch of foot on a pad and there's, and there's going to be a shift. Um, yeah. Well, and he, you know, he kept, so here's a picture where he actually was standing on the foam side yeah. um, or on the gray side. Um, so his left front is slightly clubbed and he really would rather stand, he doesn't mind standing with the pad under his right front, his sort of regular foot, so to speak, but his club foot, he's not, he doesn't stay on the pad as long. But I did notice that when I put him on the gray side, he stood on it a little longer on his club foot. Interesting. So he did actually stand on the pads, but he would stand on them for maybe 10 seconds and then he would walk off and grab a pad. Um, I'm just trying to figure out because I really thought I had this one is I apologize that it's slightly sideways. It's because I'm bending over. <laughs> and then I couldn't seem to get my video to go straight. That was him just standing on the pad. So that's probably not a very good 
view for you guys. I apologize. That's okay. Um, this will be a great example of how not to film. Don't film this if you're doing case studies. Yeah, you would not want me to do your filming. Um, so then this was kind of an interesting picture. So <laughs> this is the owner, Pam, super sweet lady. She, because he kept picking them up, um, she's like, I wonder if we, then we started thinking, well, maybe it's him, maybe it's activating something in his jaw or his TMJ and, or it's bringing awareness to something in the jaw or the TMJ. And maybe he wants to actually hold the pad. And so she had just picked up the pad and he went over and put his chin on it and just leaned on it. She said she could feel maybe 10 pounds of weight in her hands with him just sitting on the pad. And he stayed there for, I don't know, a good 30 seconds. Um, just wanting, that's, I think. That's also to, very fascinating. Isn't that weird? And, and it wasn't like he was chewing on the pad, right? He was Not just- at that point, no. <laughs> no, uh-uh. He but just, I mean, even when he picked it up, was he chewing on it or was he just holding it? He was just holding it. So in, in people, uh, this is kind of a little bit of a circuitous story, but a number of years ago, I wound up having to have braces. It, it's a long story why I had to have them. But when I got the braces on my lower jaw, it, it affected my jaw really badly. And I did a clinic with someone and she taught, taught me how to reset my jaw using um, putting something between my teeth and then uh, resetting the proprioceptors basically. Mm. And was this before, or after he had seen the dentist? After about a week and a half. So you, you almost wonder if, you, you know, like I'm trying to remember the technique this person taught me, but it was basically you had to put something between your teeth and then you had to do something with your jaw. But I mean, there's no way we can answer this question, but my question is, I wonder if he's trying to reset his jaw in some way. Right. And maybe because I'll tell you after this session, at the end of this session, I did the, I did something that a body worker showed me one time. I'm not a body worker. Um, and I released his TMJ. And I don't know if that's really what's happening, to be honest. I put my hand at the top of his pole and on, and right here, you know, a hand up here and then a hand right along here where his jaw meets his neck or meets yeah. his throat. And then he, and I just waited and I just, no pressure, just stayed there with my hands. And then he started releasing, licking and chewing on both sides. Um, and he, then after that, he was, he was just, I don't know because I don't know him as well, but his owner swears he was different in the stall. Like when she took him back to the stall and kind of put him away and all that, he was more um, alert and a little more playful and a little bit more trying to get her attention, almost like he was, happier. I don't know if that's really, do you know how, um, does the dentist use power tools or hand tools? She uses, um, she uses power tools. However, they're very, she, she's very conservative, if that makes sense. So yes. she does have a drill, a cordless drill, but it's very, um, it's very quick. And then she uses hand tools after that. So she is, um, a vet, but her specialty is dentistry. Well, and you know, I mean, if you've ever been to the dentist, which I have wound up spending a lot of time there lately, um, it doesn't take much to stress the jaw having, you know, when they're trying to get to the back of the teeth. And so 
um, she may not have done anything extreme or unusual, but it may just have affected this course. And if you did something to help his TMJ and he's doing this, you know, maybe that's what he was trying to tell us. Yeah, maybe. That's what we wondered. In fact, I was, you know, the owner once, she's like thinking about getting pads and cutting them up and giving them to him to hold in his mouth. <laughs> okay. Uh, you might have a whole new line of products. <laughs> well, I'd be really curious to know the next time you work with him, now that he's had a little time and stuff, if he continues to do that. That would be interesting. Right. Well, and I guess that was going to be my question to you is that, do we keep going? Do we keep, I mean, I'm assuming we keep doing the pads and seeing how he changes from here. Yes. Um, and the question for me is, you might just do that little release on his jaw again before you do the pads and then okay. do the yeah. pads and see what happens. Um, because what you have to realize, and, and um, even in this picture, the hyoid apparatus is inside of that jaw and it looks it's kind of like a wishbone from a chicken it's paired and the tongue uh, attaches to the tab on the wishbone okay um, and there's over 20 muscles that attach to the hyoid and there's muscles that go from the hyoid to the sternum and from the hyoid to the inside of the shoulder so when you put a horse on sure foot pads you are literally affecting all the way up through the hyoid and the mouth and mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, that's why it wouldn't surprise me if there's that the, there's a connection here. There's something, but you know, that's going on in the front end of that horse and he's trying to help resolve it. Um, yeah, the pads do, they go from foot to mouth. <laughs> um, and in this case, he's kind of working at the other direction, right? By resting and pressing his chin into that pad, he's probably trying to, to reset himself the other direction. Yeah. So that's why I think it'd be really interesting for you to do that little release that you did and then do the pads with them and see if it's different. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that next week and see when I see her next week and see what, see what happens. And I'll keep you posted. Really interesting though, because definitely not, you know, nothing that I had seen in any of the videos that I've watched or anything that I've seen, you know, in any of the other horses that I've done the pads on. So just a very different reaction. Yep, so Diane just joined us um, and I said I would do a synopsis. So basically, Diane, this is a horse that Leslie's been working with and she's a riding instructor and trainer and she works for me, but we have purposely not trained her very much in Surefoot so that she's more naive um, and can give better feedback as a result. Um, and she worked with this horse and he did something quite unusual, which was he would, stand on the pads and then step off and pick up the pads and basically try to hand them back to Leslie. Um, he did it often enough that it, be, it was an obvious pattern that he wasn't just chewing on the pads or trying to tear them up. And here he wound up basically pressing his chin into the pads. Now he had had dental work about a week and a half before and Leslie did a little jaw release on him. And we're kind of wondering if he isn't trying to reset something um, because I have never had a horse that would pick up the pads and hand them to me with his mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've done a, this for a long time and nobody else has ever reported this to me. So, it, okay. you know, it's to me, the horse is clearly trying to help, help us help him or understand something that he needs. And so we're going to follow this up. I'm really looking forward to your follow-up, Leslie. 
yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting case for sure. And I wish I had that. I know I had a video of him literally standing on the pad and trying to pick it up at one point, which was kind of funny. We're like, okay, buddy, you're standing on it. So you cannot pick it up, but I guess I didn't save it. I don't know, but anyway, okay. but yeah, um, um Diane yeah. asked if a hyoid release. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to affect his hyoid somehow. Um, because when she showed the video of him holding the pads, he wasn't flinging them around. He was, he was quiet. He went out, had his teeth on it, but he, he wasn't chomping or anything. And it's very interesting. I'm curious to see how it goes. And it was, you know, your point about the jaw reset makes sense now that I'm thinking about it, because when he was picking up the slant pad, he would, he would get it by the narrow end and then he would drop it and, and go get, he would, he would purposely try to get the thick end. Wow. Almost, maybe he was trying to stretch the jaw or, you know, or whatever something. that would do, something. Yeah. So, and that was multiple times that he would, I think at one point I even offered it to him on the narrow end just to see if he, what he would do. And he wanted, he was moving his face to try to get the thick end. So yeah. I'll get better videographer next time too. <laughs> well, and you know, like uh, again, I've I've had my share of dental issues, but you know, like one of the things to kind of check your jaws to see how how much of a fist you can put inside your mouth to be able to open your jaw, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want to be trying to stuff something hard in there. So I I do really think that he's trying to release something in his jaw or hyoid or something. It's just really really interesting. It's interesting. It's yeah. It's, I, I've been using that word a lot. Interesting. <laughs> the other day I was doing it with a Nazim pods with another horse yesterday. And I kept saying, interesting, interesting, interesting. And then the owner was going, yeah, it's interesting, interesting. And I finally looked at her and I said, we've got to find a new word. <laughs> uh, <good luck. laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is. And I guess because it's all just still so new, you know, to me and that people it doesn't that matter because every horse, like I'm still doing this and it's still interesting because every horse is unique. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that um, fascinates me about Surefoot, but also ke keeps it fresh is that every time you approach another horse with a Surefoot pad, you, you could have a guess as to how it's going to go, but you don't know until you do it. And so, um, so that's the curiosity and the interest and, and why I think that we become sort of uh, infected with the Surefoot virus that, <laughs> you know, that makes you want to like uh, keep going and do more and, and play with more horses because it's, it is fascinating to see, first of all, you start to see things that you wouldn't normally see, right? Mm -hmm. But it mm -hmm. magnifies things that are there that you've overlooked. And then you can start making correlations between, wow, look at how that foot is so midline and his shoulders way over. And oh yeah, that's the shoulder that when I'm tracking left, he's always falling out through that shoulder. Well, maybe it's because that foot's landing. So it, it helps us understand what we experience with our horses. Um, mm -hmm. And as Dorothy pointed out, it grounds them. And the thing that we want with our horses is we want our horses to be peaceful and to be able to process the information and work with us. And if they're anxious and nervous, they can't do that. And so there's that whole piece. And then the other piece that for me is so fascinating is that um, as a mammal, we're both mammals, when we're around people that are also calm, we become calm, right? Mm -hmm. If we're around people that are anxious, we become anxious. When we use Surefoot, we both become calm. Mm 
as the horses settle, you know, I, that's why I have to be so careful doing workshops because if I, if I work with the horses too much with the people, I lose them after two hours, they're drooling. (laughs) They're all like, so, you know, I can't, I can't give them any more information because they're just toast. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, horses are huge electromagnetic energy and we're in that field. And so we're picking up on that social engagement. That's the whole vagus nerve connection. Um, so, um, Diane, Leslie, I don't think has any pods, so she hasn't, uh, been able to use them and I would not put a pod in his mouth. Um, wouldn't put a pod in a child's mouth either. Uh, yeah, the air pods. I think that having some squish, the, that firm pad material is going to have some, some squish to it, but it's still going to have some structure. And, um, uh, so yeah. So anyway, we're looking forward to just seeing how that goes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I may have to give her my pads and, and have her buy me new ones. <laughs> yeah, well, that might be the case. Yeah, yeah. So we can tear those up because <laughs> they are wrecked. <laughs> and, and the thing, the other thing is that the next time you go and work with that horse, it could be completely different. Well, right. And that's what I'm curious about, you know, I mean, and, and is how, is he going to try this every single time? Because it did get progressively more, you know, progress, I don't want to say worse, but more and more each time. So the very first time we ever did them, he did pick them up one time and that was it. Then the second time he picked them up a couple of times. And then this time that I had the video from, he was picking them up every five seconds, it seemed like, you know, so it did get to the point where it was more and more. So it'd be interesting to see if he will do that the next time or if he'll leave it alone or I'm not, I don't know. But again, I'd do that jaw release first. Yeah, I'll do that first and see if that makes any difference at all. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. And what is your other horse that you wanted to show? So my second little weirdo is, <laughs> he's like, I'm a magnet for him. No, all mine are special. Um, okay. So I have another horse whose name is Toronado. And yes, he is very much like his name. Um, he's a 12-year-old Frisian. I think he's a cross because he's got a little bit of white on him, um, but we don't have papers on him. And so who knows? He's um, a little pack of dynamite. He's a cutie patootie. I'll show you guys a picture in a minute. Um, and for him, you know, he, his owner, I think has had him for maybe two and a half, three years. She is also a little pack of dynamite. So it's like two big wired, powder kegs working together, which sometimes is not always, um, (laughs) I remember when I first started teaching her to your point that you just made about us, you know, feeding off each other's energy. I remember telling her at one point, I looked at her and I said, Cindy, I said, you have to calm down because you have a high strung horse and you're a little high strung, no offense, but I love you, but we got it. You got to bring it down. (laughs) So she still talks about that to this day. No one had ever told me that. And it makes so much sense. (laughs) But, um, so he, you know, he's, he's interesting because he's, not, I would not say that he's a nervous horse or that he's a spooky horse or a scared horse. I mean, I've definitely worked with that type, he, but he's definitely reactive or can be reactive. He can be, he's super sensitive under saddle. Um, again, this is another one. We don't know a lot about his training history since she bought him when he was about 10. He's, um, 
we know he was owned by an older lady who sort of had him as a yard ornament, but also at some point somebody put training into him because he knows kind of the basic dressage movements, you know, and he um, is very, very uh, uh, responsive to your aids, you know, your leg and your seat and that kind of thing. Um, so someone has put training in and he has some tricks that I found by accident, <laughs> you know, he knows how to bow and Spanish walk and all that kind of stuff, which, I was one day working with him and he started doing, he started bowing and I'm like, whoa, I just touched the button. I didn't even knew I was there, you know, <laughs> always happens to me. Um, but, but he's a really nice guy, but can be a little, um, I don't kind of stallion like sometimes he's not a stallion, he's a gelding, but he, you know, gets a little puffed up sometimes around other horses and he, if he gets into a mode where he's reacting to something, he can be a little bit hard to handle from the ground. Um, even though he's only probably 15, one, oh. <laughs> he's not very big. Yeah. A little guy. A little <laughs> yeah. So he's one that we, um, unfortunately, and I'm, you know, I know everybody has different opinions about lunging. Um, but he is one that we do lunge quite often before the owner rides only because she's very small as well and um, petite lady and a, a bit of a green rider. She already owned him when she came to me as a student um, and she bought him because he's beautiful and she fell in love, you know, but not necessarily because he was the right horse for her at the time, yeah. but, um, I call so, it you know, black beauty syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you, you deal with what you have and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not big on saying you need to sell this horse. It's not the right one for you. I'd like to wait a while and see if we can make it work first, you know, and for the most part, I will say 96.9% .9 of the time he's a good boy, but that, you know, and typically under saddle, he's pretty good. He might scoot or do something if he reacts to something, but he's not, He's not a runaway or anything like that. It's mostly on the ground that he will get you if he has an episode, <laughs> let's just call it. So we were having some rain. We were having some really rainy days a few weeks ago. And when it rains, we go, we have a big indoor at, his, at the facility that he's boarded at that we can use and um, which is nice. But it seems like even though he has been in the indoor I don't know, multiple times. He's lived at this facility for over a year. He's been in the indoor multiple times. We've ridden him in there. We've lunged him in there. We've walked him in there. I mean, he's been in there loose, just kind of running around. I mean, he's been in there a lot, but every time we go in there, it's like starting fresh. Like he's never been there before in his life. And that's gone on for a year. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I will say to be fair, we don't ride him in there very often. Um, we probably should more often, but we typically ride him outside because it's going to say, but why would you, if he's every time going in there, right. it's yeah. hard for the, it's hard for the owner to really learn, you know, she's still trying to learn. And if he's acting up, it's hard for her. And it takes her whole lesson to try to get him to calm down and, you know, on and on and on. So we typically ride him in the outdoor arena and we have, we're in South Texas, so we have beautiful weather most of the time. So it's not a big deal. But I do know that if we ever take this horse to a horse show, we're going to be probably wishing that we had spent more time in the indoor. So anyway, all of that background to say we had some rainy weather, we had to use the indoor, and I got the bright idea that 
why don't we try the pads in the indoor? So now backing up, I have used the pad. I had already used the pads with him maybe three times before, just okay. kind of in open spaces outside around the barn, not in any particular area for any reason other than just to get to him used to the pads. So we walked him, you know, I had my little bag of pads and we marched ourselves to the indoor arena and we had him. Um, I usually have her walk him with a lunge line just so she has some extra line in case he decides to try to, you know, pull some shenanigans or something. And so, and it's quite a hike to the entrance of the indoor. Um, and there's some, you know, there's this giant, probably 20 acre field that you have to walk past. And there's a bunch of trailers parked in between the field and the arena. And so it's, you know, it's a little bit, it could, I guess, be a little spooky if, you know, if you haven't done it a lot. So we go in and he's all up and kind of huffing and puffing and, um, and he's acting kind of, you know, like he's going to explode a little bit. And there were some riders in the indoor, because unfortunately, when a flirting facility, you have to share, <laughs> you know. So um, my whole thing is I am not willing from a, just from a safety standpoint to lunge him or do things with him where other riders could potentially get harmed, obviously. Why? Right. <laughs> Right. So, and knowing how he can be sometimes a little explosive, you know, I'm very, very cautious about that. So we kind of picked a little corner in the indoor where nobody was riding and we, I got my pads out and I started working with the pads. He immediately, I'm not kidding. He stood on the firm pads and probably within the first 10 seconds, eyes started drooping, head lowered. He was breathing, you know, big breathy sighs. Um, just completely calmed down. I was having the owner walk him in between, you know, like you say to do, and she was doing that. And he was just head down, just walking as if it was a hundred degree day in the outdoor arena. So we were pretty excited. Um, we had planned on riding this day, by the way, if things had gone well or if things were gonna go well. So then um, they're next to the indoor arena and I should have taken some pictures of this so you would understand what I was talking about. Next to the indoor arena, there's uh, some paddocks where the, the like run, uh, it's a barn, but the barn has runs. Yep. And so the horses can go out of their stalls into their runs. And they, there's one run that's really quite big. And the horse, one of the horses that was in that one was tearing around and kind of freaking out because the tractor had pulled up and it was cold and rainy. So, you know, they were all a little uh, wacko anyway. And, um, that immediately got Tornado's senses back up, you know? So he'd been doing the pads for a few minutes. He was real relaxed. And then that horse started tearing around and he was like, Oh boy, what's going on? You know, head comes up, starts tearing around. And then I just, I, at that point, I, I think I told you this part of the story. I didn't feel safe enough like even dropping the pad and picking up his foot. I didn't want to put my head back down there. I didn't want to get in his space because I know he can turn on a dime. And so I just showed him the pad. I just stood there, let him put his nose on it. He was rubbing it with his nose. He doesn't bite it like William. <laughs> um, thank goodness. <laughs> rubbing it with his nose and just kind of took a breath and then he calmed down. And so once I felt like it was safe, I put him on the pads again immediately brought all the energy back down. So um, that was one story, which I thought was really, really cool. 
um, about how, and, and here's, here's the point of why I wanted to talk to you guys about him is that just from my perspective, being fairly new to the company and to the pads, I feel like we talk, we spend a lot of time talking about balance and about proprioception and self-awareness and all of the sort of what I call physical attributes and, and benefits that you can get from the pads. And we all, we do talk about relaxation and we do talk about the parasympathetic nervous system and all of that. But I feel like sometimes it's not, I think we talk about it like it's almost an, oh, and by the way, like a secondary benefit when for some horses, I think it's the primary benefit. Mm -hmm. And for a horse like Tornado, and I'll start, I'll show you guys um, yeah. some pictures of him because he's the cutest patootie ever. Um, oh, I have to press share, hello. Okay, I just did this. You would think I would remember from five minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> okay, so first I'm just gonna show you a picture of his little cute face. That's him. That's my little devil. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love him to death. Um, so this is a different day that these pictures are from. Um, this is outside in our round pen where we were planning on lunging. You can see, can you see this picture? Yep. I blow it up? Yeah, if you make it full screen, it'd be great. Yeah. So we were planning on lunging. So, you know, we've got his side reins on, we've got them all tacked up and everything. And um, I told her, I said, let's do the pads before you ride and just see, you know, if it makes any difference. And so we did the pads and here's him. He's just standing on, you know, the firm and he loves, he loves any of the pads. It doesn't really matter. He doesn't seem to have a preference so far, as far as I only have firms and firm slants. So I should, um, preface that, but he, here's him. I think these are his back feet. We were doing his back feet on the slants and he had, he had been standing on both of them. And then he stepped off of the one and kept the right hind on the other, um, which I thought was interesting. And then stood there for about a minute. Um, and then let's see, I've got, what's this one? Oh yeah. Here's it. This is what he looked like in the indoor that day. He was just chilling. And we have, so this barn back here, this is all, they also have exotics. Oh, wow. So there's usually a lot of stuff going on back here behind this wall that sometimes makes him a little um, reactionary. And then we had this, there was a big meeting going on up here in their office. So there were all these cars coming in and out. And then over here is the owner's house. And then, um, this is where I'm standing in for it behind where I'm standing uh, behind the round pen is this jump, a big jumping arena and a dressage arena. And so there were people out there having lessons. So there was lots of activity going on um, while we were doing this. And he is just chill as can be. And this is how he's been every time we've done the pads. Um, and, and have you found that you don't need to lunge him as much now that you've been doing that? I was just going to say that. So, <laughs> um, good segue. Yeah, I was just going to say, so now that's the same one. Um, so this particular day, we didn't lunge him at all. We took everything off and she just wrote him. And he was as good as gold. And I'll say he had had because we'd had, I think this was the first real dry day or when the arenas had finally dried out. Um, let me see if I can make this full size. We, the arenas had just dried out 
And I think there was even a little bit of wet still over behind where I was. And he, um, so he hadn't really been ridden a whole lot and she just got on him, rode him and had the best ride. He was super relaxed, stayed relaxed the whole time. Um, let's see if I can get a little video. You know, it's, in, it's so interesting because the first picture you showed of him, he looked very Frisian, but in uh -huh. this picture, he does not look Frisian. He doesn't look Frisian. What does he look like to you? He, well, I'm not sure whether it's quarter horse, just from <laughs> his butt. Um, oh yeah, he's got a big butt. Yeah. Um, but, and I've, I've worked with other Frisian crosses. And what I find with Frisian crosses is it's almost like two horses in a suit until you can get them together. Mm -hmm. In other words, there was a, I worked with an Appaloosa Frisian cross. And when I met him, he was a Frisian in a spotted body. And <laughs> as we worked with him, he became much more of an Appaloosa. It's, it's like the crosses don't nick very well. And you can see these two distinct breeds, but when you start to work with them and, and like using Surefoot and we use Surefoot with this other horse and he was actually um, uh, in, in the five element theory, he was water. And as the owner started to realize what his temperament type was, and we used Surefoot because he was terribly fearful, um, he just became a fabulous horse. But I do find with the Frisian crosses that they can be like two different horses in one body um, and they need help kind of getting it together. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he is quite the little Ferrari, let me tell you, just- yeah. He's, he's really nicely built. It, this does, this pictures don't really, or these videos don't do him justice. He's, he's very nicely built for such a small horse. Right. You know, he has nice gates. He doesn't look like, you know, he doesn't have pony kind of gates or little horse gates. I mean, he's really, and he's a blast for all his, all the negative stuff I've said, he's a blast to ride. He really is. Yeah, no. And just, like I said, just looking at his body, um, I have a feeling that he's, he's not full. It'd be interesting to DNA type him. I don't know if they've gotten far enough along with DNA typing like they have in dogs. Um, I don't know. And I, I think, I know she wants to do that because we're curious. <laughs> She's been trying to get his papers and supposedly he has papers, but the old owner has not come through with that. Yeah. So. I think there's a reason. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, because I've had that happen with another client's horse. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to share the papers because, uh, hello, she was half quarter horse, and they told us she was full Holsteiner. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you might be looking, at, but a super cute horse. I mean, yeah, he's super um, cute. But I guess to me, for you know, what makes him such a cool case to me is just the fact that the relaxation portion has been what's helped him so much, right, so far. Right. And, yeah. and that is a, it's a huge piece of Surefoot. Um, and it's the thing that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so common to see like what Dorothy said right at the beginning where her horses became so grounded. Um, and it's really awesome to be able to offer these types of horses a way to get to that grounding feeling and, and so that they can evaluate and assess their situation instead of just react to their environment. Right. Right. Um, and the Frisian, you know, when you think about a Frisian with a, that really high head carriage there, it's more of a reactive kind of behavior, but then when you get them in, in that relaxed state and their back can come up and they can assess. So this is awesome. And, um, I'm curious, have you used the pads with the horse while he's under saddle with the rider? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So that is the next, that's sort of in the next week's plan, because I think that would be really 
interesting too for her. And I think, um, I think it would be, it'd be nice to see how he reacts to the pads with somebody on him. Yes. And I think you'll find it'll really help her. I would also recommend that you put her on the firm slants heel high and have her soften her knees while he stands on the firm. Okay. So when you, you know, a lot of riders want to stand on the slants heel low because they're trying to get their heel down, but it puts the knees into extension. In other words, the knees go straight and the lower back arches. When you put a person on the slants heel high and have them soften their knees, I always tell them, you know, a horse can't lock his knees the way a person can. There's always a bend in the horse's hocks and stifles, right? They're never perfectly mm -hmm. straight. So when you soften your knees, it's more like being a horse. That's what I tell them. And then to a person, everyone reports that their lower back softens. Oh. So when you just soften the knees a little bit and stand heel high, the lower back softens a bit. And so that's going to help the rider relax before she gets on. Okay. And then I would definitely uh, just use the firm pad while, uh, you know, with her on. And I think that you'll, I'm really curious to have your report back to us. I, I'm not going to tell you what I think is going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I will. I will. Cause I think, you know, he, he just loves the pads. So, which is really not what I thought was going to happen just because he's so reactive. I thought he was going to be maybe a little bit more suspicious or maybe not as engaged. I don't know. I just did not expect it to totally flip a switch in his brain, especially knowing how busy his brain can be, I guess, is yeah. why, you know, I've seen it relax other horses, but those horses are pretty calm and chill anyway. So I hadn't tried it on a horse that was a little more reactive and a little bit more um, aware and sensitive, I guess, of the surroundings. You know, Larry Weitzel said something to me a long time ago, and I haven't forgotten. He said, the horses that really need Surefoot want it, and the horses that don't need it so much aren't that interested. In other words, you're really kind of grounded, solid characters. They're like, yeah, that's nice. But the mm -hmm. horses that are like this one, it's really makes a difference. And like what Dorothy described with her young horse. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. Yeah. Really neat. All right. Well, we've come to the end. See, my older horse is Arab. Oh, Dorothy says, my older horse is an Arab cross ASB. And the younger is a pure Arab. Both have the capacity to be very ungrounded. Yeah. So Dorothy, I think it's awesome what you what you discovered. And, and again, I would just maybe use that half physio pad with the young horse um, and see if that get, is not quite so demanding as the two inches. Um, but that's really awesome. And I look forward to having you come back and tell us how things are progressing. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our hour again. So thank you so much, Leslie, for joining me today. This has been awesome listening to your case studies um, and Dorothy um, chiming in there. And we'll be back next Friday with another um, webinar on Surefoot. But remember next week we have, um, oh, I will send out the email on Sunday. I have to get it all booked up. But we have guests again next week. We have some, uh, I can't remember. Oh, well. <laughs> Stay tuned to surprise. Yeah, stay tuned and, and uh, sign up for the email at murdochmethod.com. So on Sundays, you get the email with the guests for the following week. Um, and again, Leslie, thank you so much for joining me and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Everybody.